You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet, on, uh, already said on Twitter, obviously, and at FullTimeFantasy.com. It's associated with Jim Day of FF Champs, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and the Roto experts Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto, who are on SiriusXM, including many other great podcasts as as well. Definitely check them out. Me and Dennis are extremely proud and humbled to be paired with all these great people. Dennis, what's going on, man? Hey, Matt. It's good to hear from you again. I'm super stoked about today's show. And, uh, you know, I can't uh, say enough good things about uh, being a part of this fantastic network. It is really, uh, it covers pretty much anything in fantasy football that you want to know about. We got it there on the network. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how much more this uh, the network can grow and and everything else with it. But uh, I'm right there with you. I'm excited to be a part of it. So for today's episode, we're gonna do a little bit different. We're gonna break off from the camp battles a little bit. We don't want to keep droning on about that as those episodes. While we do, I feel give you guys a lot of great knowledge. They can be kind of repetitive at times. So we're gonna split up and do a little bit of different stuff today. Uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you saw me post something the other day about the NFL um, and the fact that we've had uh, a little bit of a five-in, five-out thing going on the past couple years. So the the stat that I posted online the other day was in 21 of the last 23 seasons, at least five teams have made the playoffs that didn't the year before. And this actually happened to seven teams in 2018. So that is something that we are going to discuss today. We're going to give you guys our five-in and five-out. I know it's still early. We'll probably, you know, attack this again here as the season gets closer and we get a little bit better picture of what these teams look like after training camps and some preseason games. But just for fun, we're going to talk about the teams that we are thinking might be out and might be in already here in June, after which point we'll jump into what we're going to do is our storyline series here. We're going to start attacking each team from the Super Bowl winners on down. So the Patriots will be today. We have a special guest joining us on Monday, so we're going to attack three teams on that day. And we're just going to kind of give you guys an idea of the huge storylines going into the preseason fantasy-wise and what you guys should expect to see from these. And then that's that's going to be it. We might do a little best ball talk. We'll see what happens. But uh, that that's really going to be it for today's episode as we're getting ready for, unfortunately, a long dead period in the NFL of about six weeks before another team reports to camp to start getting ready for preseason. Uh, I believe Dennis was talking to me about it right before we started recording. 
Denver jumps up there in July 17th, and then Atlanta on the 21st as they are getting ready for the Hall of Fame game that they are in this year. So we've got a quite a bit of a length to go here before we start getting some real NFL news. So we will definitely, unfortunately, just kind of slog on through here as we wait to get to that part of the NFL season. Because once that gets here, it's going to start getting really interesting really quick. Holy crap. I don't know who the hell we think when we are. Wait, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Hello? The Bears are who we thought they were. Who play to win the game. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. Uh, playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Dennis, I'm going to start it with you. Uh, how, or not how, because I already know how many you have. It's five, as I, as I just stated there in the opening. Who are your five teams out? And then who are your five teams in for the 2019 playoffs? So, let's since we're going to talk about the Patriots later, we'll start with the AFC. So, last year, it was New England, Baltimore, Houston, and Kansas City winning the divisions with the Chargers and the Colts in as wild cards. So, it seems, you know, in New in the NFC, or excuse me, AFC East, I don't know that I see any of Miami, Buffalo, or New York stepping up to knock New England off. So I'm going to keep New England in there. In the AFC North, we got Baltimore. I am a noted Lamar Jackson non-believer. <laughs> I do not. I, I am not buying into that. I do think that Baltimore uh, is not going to win the AFC North. I think the AFC North is going to come down to Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Two teams that play tough football. They have fairly balanced attacks. Um, but to me, Cleveland is the more ascending offense. They both have solid defenses, uh, but Cleveland's offense is on the rise. They've got a young quarterback that's got some moxie, isn't afraid to make a play. Uh, good running game with Nick Chubb. Duke Johnson is a great third down back. Uh, by week 10, they should have Kareem Hunt back. And, uh, you know, it's our favorite time of the season, so we're hearing a whole bunch of great stuff about uh, Dontrell Hilliard. And then they went out and they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., and now they've got Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then at the three and four, they've got uh, Hollywood Higgins and uh, Antonio Callaway. So they're deep at wide receiver. Uh, David Njoku is an athletic tight end with questionable hands. So I feel like that offense is ascending, whereas Pittsburgh, yes, they played without Bell last year, and Connor came on and had a good year. He kind of petered out at the end of the year. Uh, Antonio Brown is gone, so Juju has to step up. There's some question marks. You know, how are 
James Washington, Moncrief, Dante Moncrief, and Deontay Johnson, are they going to step up and fill that void left by Juju taking over as the number one? Vance McDonald looks pretty solid at tight end. Can he stay healthy all year? So I'm going to give the edge to Cleveland. I think Cleveland is going to step up and win this division. Down in the South, Houston won it last year. Uh, I just think that Indianapolis is coming on too strong. They've added weapons. They got Doyle back. Andrew Luck is another year removed from missing a year. He looks to be fully healthy. And honestly, he's my QB1. I love Andrew Luck this year. Uh, they added Paris Campbell, who's going to be a weapon of, gosh knows what type. He could be. He could run a lot of the stuff like he did in college, where he was close to the line, and then they used his speed. You know, our colleague Brandon Bangley talks a lot about. Uh, he feels like the offenses are evolving into make those short plays and let those dynamic players make them into long plays. Paris Campbell is is tailor made to that, but they also added. Devin Funches, who uh, Peter Howard put out some information about how much more efficient Funches is working from the slot than he is working on the outside. And so potentially uh, Funches and Ebron could be fighting for targets in the slot there. But I'm going to give that AFC South to Indianapolis. Uh, back in the AFC West, you've got the Chargers in Kansas City who both made the playoffs last year. You know, I don't see Oakland making the climb this year. I think they're still fighting. Uh, Denver, they've got Joe Flacco at quarterback. Uh, I'm, I don't think they can overtake uh, either of the Chargers or Kansas City. And so it really comes down to with uh, Kareem Hunt being cut because of his issues, Tyreek Hill likely being suspended for anywhere from two to ten games. Who knows what right now. Uh, is Kansas City going to be able to fill those voids? I'm not I'm not sold on Damian Williams. Uh, I, I'm a Carlos Hyde guy. Uh, I think it's going to end up being a platoon there. And solid, if not spectacular. Patrick Mahomes is probably one of the most dynamic young quarterbacks in the league. Uh, but I think Phillip Rivers is going to make one last push for a title. And I think that uh, the losing the weapons, losing Hunt, losing Hill for uh, a period of time is going to give the Chargers that opportunity to step up. So those four winners, the Chargers, the Colts, Cleveland, and New England. So Cleveland is one of my new ends. So where do I go with the wild cards? So last year's wild card was Indianapolis. So it comes down to Houston, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. I don't think any of those three make it. Possibly Houston. Let's let's actually let's let's hold that. I'm going to say Tennessee and Jacksonville are out. Uh, Oakland and Denver are out for the title. Uh, Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh makes it as a wild card. And so that leaves Houston. So Pittsburgh is a wild card. I think Houston's going to be now Kansas City. So I guess my last wild card spot's going to come down to uh, Houston and Kansas City. Or is it Pittsburgh and Kansas City? Well, I got to pick two or three out of there. So we'll pass, we're going to put that in a holding pattern while I think about it. But that's kind of where I, where I see the AFC East, or the AFC. Baltimore is definitely out. So that's one team that's not going to make it. Um, boy, that, that, 
I don't know if I'm going to have that much change in the NFC, but <laughs> what are your thoughts, Matt? All right, so I feel like I'm pretty close to you in the AFC. Obviously, the Patriots, we they're going to win the AFC East. I, I don't see – I do think the Jets are going to take a huge step forward, but I'm not expecting much out of the Dolphins and the Bills. So the Patriots, I think, still take the AFC East. They stay in. The South is where things are very interesting for me. I'm not sold on the Texans being up there at the top, and I really think, in all honesty, any four of these teams could end up winning this division. I, I don't. I'm not as much against the Titans as others are. You know, I do think Marcus Mariota could still come back and have a good year, although a lot of people will probably not believe that. And even if he doesn't, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is a serviceable quarterback. Depending on how well that offense is, they have a lot of good weapons there. That defense is good. I could see Tennessee making a run there. Jacksonville, same thing. And then obviously the Colts who made the playoffs. So if I had to pick right now a winner for the AFC South, I'm going to go with the Colts because I think they are a more well-rounded team than the Houston Texans. I'm still worried about Houston's offensive line, and I don't think their defense is as good as the Colts is right now either. They're, you know, I, I would say... Ah, it's hard for me to say. The, the front line and the linebackers, I would say, are pretty equal on both teams, but I would give the edge in the secondary to the Colts. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Colts as the AFC South winners right now. In the West, I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, I think the Chiefs, the more and more I've looked at it, with Tyreek Hill again possibly being out for eight games, even with Damian Williams there, I don't believe in Sammy Watkins. Demarcus Robinson did not look good in OTAs. I don't think Nicole Hardman is going to be able to just step right in and be this, you know, guy who's going to fix everything here in this offense like a lot of other people do. I think Kansas City is in for a major step back because I also don't think their defense improved that much either. Their defense was pretty bad last year, and now you add into the offense taking a step back. I know they've got Patrick Mahomes, but he can only do so much. He's not going to be able to throw the ball to himself 70 yards down the field and run into a touchdown. At least nobody's done that yet. So I'll, I'll you know, as soon as Patty Mahomes does that, I'll come on the podcast and say I was wrong. But until then, I actually think the Chiefs are going to take a step back. I'm going to stick with the Chargers. Uh, we talked about them in the last pod. Uh, with the question on who we thought has the best chance to win a Super Bowl that hasn't yet. And the Chargers were my pick because I still think they have the best overall team. And Phillip Rivers, while he's been slowly kind of coming down like Tom Brady, he hasn't fully fallen off the edge yet. He's got a great running back, great receiving core, a tight end that a lot of people are excited about, and a phenomenal defense. So I I like the Chargers to win the West. In the North, this has been the hardest one for me because I'm – I feel like we've talked about this before. Being a Browns fan, I'm almost uh, just perpetually made to think negatively about about the team. And, and I know they've done a lot of great things, but I just don't think you can look past Pittsburgh. I think we've both talked about this many times. I, I understand Pittsburgh lost really Antonio Brown because they did it all last season without Le'Veon Bell. I know a lot of people want to bring up, well, they lost Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Well, technically they lost Le'Veon Bell last year because he did not play a down. James Conner played the entire season, and then Jalen Samuels came in and played when Conner got hurt. They did not miss a beat. Now, I understand losing Antonio Brown might be a bigger deal. I'm a huge fan of Juju. I think he's going to be just fine. Is it going to be Antonio Brown? No. No, he's not, of course. Antonio Brown has, has could, depending on, and I don't mean this as a shot at you, Dennis, depending on how old you are, 
Antonio Brown could be in the argument for the best wide receiver to ever play the game with what he has done since he's been in the NFL. You know, and I say that because a lot of people are going to take that as a slight toward Jerry Rice, and that's not. It's a completely different game now. I would imagine if Jerry Rice played nowadays, he would be by far the best player to ever play because of just the rules that allow for the passing and receiving game in the NFL now. But Antonio Brown has done just miraculous things since becoming kind of the one there in Pittsburgh. But I am going to take Cleveland, and it might be a little bit of homerism there, but I just I love what they've done on offense. I do love what Freddie Kitchens did when he came in. Again, I wish I had the stat but they right when when Freddie Kitchens took over that offense, they were the second highest scoring and yards per play team, right behind. I think it was like point five points behind the greatest show on turf Rams. That's how explosive that offense was last year with Freddie Kitchens. He's not afraid to take big plays, and we see Baker's not not afraid to either. A lot of people wanted to comment on how many interceptions he threw last year, it's just because he's not afraid to throw the ball. So I'm going to take the Browns to win the AFC North, and then that brings me to my two wild card teams between, I think I'm right there with you actually, with the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Texans, because as much as I think the Jets will take a step forward in the East, I don't think they'll be in the wild card discussion. So for me, I'm going to say the Chiefs get one just because I'm a believer in Patrick Mahomes. You know, I do think he'll take a step back, as I said, but I think he'll do enough to get them a wild card spot. So then that leaves the Texans or the Steelers. I'm going to take the Steelers. Uh, you know, not nothing against the Texans. I love Deshaun Watson, love Hopkins. I don't think they have much of a running game. And, and I do think that their defense is pretty much on par with the Steelers. But I'm going to take the track record that the Steelers have and what they've done on offense. So for me, that is taking two teams out right now in the AFC, which means I'm going to have to find three in the NFC, so that should be fun to do. But So I am taking out this year the Texans and the Ravens, and going in are the Steelers and the... Oh, wait, no, that's just one, just like you. Shoot! This is harder than I thought No, it was. actually it is two, because we both have Pittsburgh and Cleveland making oh, yeah, it from the right. AFC North, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means... So we've uh, got to find three in the NFC somehow, <laughs> which... That'll be interesting, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so my two so, out are the Texans. I think, yeah, you said Houston was out, right? Yeah. So mine are the Ra- the Ravens and the Texans and are out. Yeah, and then the Steelers and Browns in. So both from the AFC North. And, so, and I agree with that. As, as I listen to you talking, you know, I was looking. I'm sitting here splitting hairs, and I'm trying to figure out, all right, Kansas City, Houston, and Pittsburgh, where where is it going to come down to? Uh, Kansas City, does they have probably the weakest defense of the three. But they also have, you know, the most explosive quarterback, probably just by a hair over Deshaun Watson, who's who's pretty explosive himself. Yeah. Ben is Ben has his moments now, but Ben is old as dirt. You know, Ben and Ben and me are almost contemporaries now. <laughs> um, so, you know, that that really from a quarterback play, I kind of I, I, I Ben loses that. But. When I look at the teams, I think Ben has the best offensive line. Andy's got a really, really good running game. I think Houston has the weakest offensive line of the three. Yeah. And, you know, it comes down to is, are Houston's weapons going to be enough to off, offset Kansas City having a little bit better offensive line? But Kansas City's also going to have to, you know, they're going to be playing catch up more. You know, it comes. I, I'm going to go with you, though. I, I feel like Kansas City is going to edge out Houston for that 
sixth spot. And so I, I have Pats, Browns, Colts, Chargers, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. And so I have the same two in and the same two out as you in the AFC. All right. Well, that's going to make it interesting to see if we can both get three in and three out in the NFC. There's there's one team, actually there's two for sure. The real hard part is going to be that third team that I think I, I, I think will be out in the NFC. But I'll let you kick it off first again and let us know what you're thinking in the NFC. So we're looking at the NFC East. Dallas won the division. Philadelphia was a wild card. New York is out of it. I... I I see no reason to expect that they're going to climb up even to wild card level. I feel like Washington still is uh, a ways away. So unless the whole conference falls apart, Washington is, uh, they're going to be out of it as well. So that brings the NFC East down to Dallas and Philadelphia. These are clearly the two best teams in this division. Uh, Dallas has an exceptional running game. Philadelphia has the better quarterback. Uh, Philadelphia has the better head coach. Um, I think Dallas has the better number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Philadelphia has the top two tight ends in uh, Ertz and Goddard. Um, it's really, it's really close. I, I, I think both of them are going to make it back in. Um, you know, I'm not. I, I I guess I'm kind of hedging my bets here until I get through the rest of the the divisions. But right now, I'm gonna gonna pause on those two before I figure out exactly who. Well, I can tell uh, you in the you, NFC. I've got what's one of that? Those, I, I was gonna say I can tell you I've got one of those teams out of the of Dallas okay. and Philly. But go ahead. Well, you're a cowboy hater, though. <laughs> How do you know it's the Cowboys? <laughs> it could be the Eagles. I. It could be. It could be. Um. So in the North, last year Chicago won it. Um, well, th- you know they have a, a great defense. You know they brought in a good rookie running back, r- good rookie running back to pair with um, Tariq Cohen, the pass catcher. Uh, they have a okay offensive line, uh, a decent young quarterback. You know Trubisky kind of has to he he needs to take that next step. Uh, right now he's sort of. Uh, uh, early career Alex Smithian in his, you know, in that he's mobile, he's got a decent arm, but he's, you know, not necessarily going to win you a game. He isn't going to pick the team up and carry it. And they've got good wide receivers with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel. Um, so they do have, you know, I don't know if any of them are, are top tier studs. Um, Minnesota, uh, they're primed. You know, I think Dalvin Cook is going to be healthy this year. Uh, I really like his prospects. Thielen and Diggs are are two of the top receivers in the NFL. Um, Kirk Cousins is is an overall he's a solid quarterback. He gets bashed a little bit, um, but I, I kind of I I like him pretty uh, pretty much. If I if I can when when I play the waiting game on quarterbacks, I'm perfectly happy to get Kirk Cousins. Green Bay. You know, Aaron Rodgers, new coach, coming off an injury. Devontae Adams is a bona fide stud. Uh, Their running game, I love Aaron Jones, but they're talking committee again. Uh, Will one of those three second-year wide receivers step up and become a clear number two? 
you know, there's some questions there. Green Bay's defense has some questions. Detroit, again, new offensive coordinator. I think they're still buying into the whole Matt Patricia system. Uh, I love on Johnson. Kenny Galladay's shown that he can be a top-tier receiver. Matthew Stafford is a gunslinger, and, and he can do a lot of good things. Um, I, I'm going to give this division to Minnesota, though. I, I think they just have too much firepower, and they've got a solid they've, – they've got a good defense. So they can play both sides of the ball real well. Um, and and with, if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, I think he's if, – if Cook is healthy, he's the best running back in this division. Uh, and when you pair that up with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, you've got a, an offense that's going to score points and can score them in bunches. So I'm going Minnesota uh, as, as one of my new ends. The NFC South, the venerable Drew Brees, uh, outrunning Father Time, though he kind of slowed down a little bit last year. Um, is, was last year a blip, or is our have we started the decline? I mean, he's what forty one, forty two years old now. They have uh, one of the most dynamic wide receivers and one of the most dynamic running backs in Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So th- they've got weapons. Uh, there's there's plenty of firepower there. Uh, K- Cameron Jordan leads a very uh, very athletic defense that puts some pressure. Uh, Mark Marshawn Latimer. Uh, out on uh, out at cornerback, so th- they've got some weapons on defense as well. Atlanta. The question is, will Matt Ryan bounce back now that Dirk Cutters is offensive coordinator again? Devonta Freeman, he's healthy finally. Uh, you know, Austin Hooper, uh, part-time window washer, part-time tight end at tight end, only twenty-four years old still, or twenty-five years old still. Uh, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Um, they did add a couple pieces to their offensive line, so that team looks like they're ready for a bounce back. But what's the story with Cam's shoulder? Is his shoulder okay? Is his shoulder not okay? I think that's the real question in Carolina. Um, is Christian McCaffrey going to be able to uh, carry the load like he did last year? I think they added a couple backup running backs that could potentially uh, – Spell him pretty well in uh, Jordan Scarlett and uh, Elijah Holyfield. There are a couple guys that can get you that tough yard, so maybe McCaffrey doesn't have to take that beating on uh, as many short yardage things, or Cam doesn't have to take the beating on the short yardage plays. And then two wide receivers in DJ Moore and Christian or uh, Curtis Samuel, who uh, both can make some plays. They're fast. Neither one of them are very big. Only six foot or so, but both of them are fast. And then Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. I think that offense is going to be great for fantasy, but I think that defense is going to be uh, uh, terrible for the NFL. So they're out. Uh, I'm not sold on Cam, uh, his shoulder being back. Uh, and if they have to go to a backup quarterback, I don't think uh, uh, Taylor Henneke is – the guy to lead them for an extended period of time. And I don't think Will Greer is going to be ready. So if there's a, there, there's just too many questions for Carolina. So it comes down to New Orleans and Atlanta. And honestly, I think uh, Atlanta is going to step up and make the playoffs. I like their uh, their team to be able to, to really put up some points 
and they play, I think, what, 10 or 12 games in domes. Yeah. Now, New Orleans plays a bunch of games in domes as well, um, but I think Matt Ryan is probably the better of the two quarterbacks right now. So I'll give the division to Atlanta. So there's, there's another new one for me. So I'm at four new ends. Now we're down to the NFC West. Uh, last year, the Los Angeles Rams won the division, and the Seattle Seahawks uh, won, got in as a wildcard team. San Francisco and Arizona, uh, both were pretty far off the pace. Uh, you know, the Rams, I, I, I like them to maintain where they're at. I, I, are they, I don't know if 13 and three is, is the record this year, but I could see 11 and five. I think, uh, a couple years in now defenses, professional defensive, uh, coordinators figure out a way to stop what you're doing. So they've, they've got two years of tape on Sean McVay. So the question now is, will Sean McVay be able to evolve now that the defenses are evolving? Uh, Seattle, they run the ball, and they run the ball, and they run the ball, despite the fact that they've got uh, one of the best passers in the league and Russell Wilson. Doug Baldwin retired, and that was Wilson's go-to guy. Uh, so is Tyler Lockett going to be able to step up and be that guy this year? You know, he was very efficient last year, scored uh, a lot of fantasy points per touch, which is, uh, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but uh, he was lauded for his efficiency last year. Um, I actually, I, I like uh, I like the Rams to, uh, on the back, back of their defense, I think their defense is a touch better than Seattle. Uh, I, I like Gurley, you know, <clears throat> I, I think the Rams are going to do with Gurley what any team does with any running back. At some point, you start to give them a little more support to extend them. Gurley has the knee. He's had the knee since he came out of college. And it makes sense when you get in a position to be able to provide an adequate support system, i.e. a backup player that can give you production that you can spell Gurley with, that you do it. So do I think Gurley is going to have a free fall this year? No, I think Gurley is going to have a great season. Uh, is he going to carry the ball 325 times? No, probably not. Um, he'll probably lose some carries and he'll lose some touches. But even if he's down 10% or 15% in touches, he's still going to have a really good year. And they've got three great receivers in Cup and Cooks and uh, Robert Woods. The team really works well together, and they've got a really solid offensive concept. So we'll see if uh, McVay evolves along with the defenses he's going against. So I'm going to keep the Rams in. So I've got two new ones. Who's who's my uh, – so Chicago is out. I don't think Chicago is going to get the wild card. I don't think Green Bay is going to get the wild card. So for me, it comes down to Dallas and Philadelphia, Los Angeles and Seattle. So one of those teams is going to be out, maybe? No? You'd have to have two. They both, no, no, because you took the Saints to, out, to right? get to, so. to get to five, yeah, to get to five, I've got I've to eliminate at least one of them. You know, I don't – I feel like, uh, you know, am I going to buy the Carson Wentz hype? Yes, he's good. Don't, it, it, 
injuries are fluky. That's why he's been going out. I, I think that, you know, my question with uh, Philadelphia is, you know, will the backfield, how's the backfield going to develop in gel? Um, you know, they've pieced it together. Miles Sanders is probably the best back that they've had there in the past three or four years. Um, I don't think he's going to get 275, 300 carries, but I do think he's probably going to lead that backfield in touches. I think uh, Philadelphia is in, Dallas is out, and that leaves me with Seattle and Los Angeles. I think both of them are going to make it in. My last wild card, you know, I think I wrote off Green Bay. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to profess my love for Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and he, he's going to will them to a wild card spot. So that gives me five. Gotcha. All right. So now that you got to where you got, I feel like we're going to be pretty close. It was a, it was a little bit interesting there uh, while you were going through the process. So I'm going to start. Well, in, I was thinking out loud. I got you. I got you. No, it seemed like we were about to go different directions. I feel like we're kind of kind of close to, to the end there. So starting in the NFC West, uh, I agree with you on the Rams. I think they're going to stay there. They, they've got a complete team, even really losing Sue. Their defense is still good. I mean, they still have Aaron Donald, who, who's probably the best defensive player on the planet right now. I, I love their offense. I agree with you on Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, I believe the Rams actually came out earlier and said they knew he was going to have arthritis in his knees based on the injuries that he suffered in college. That's why they're trying to manage it right now. Uh, they, they brought in Darrell Henderson. They've got Malcolm Brown. I'm not worried about it. They will find a way to make that offensive work. Sean McVay is a very good coach. Seattle has lost a lot, and I think they're one of they. No, I don't think they are one of my ones that I'm going to take out this year. I mean, Pete Carroll has had them playing great since he's been the coach there. They've always done a really good job. You have Russ, Russell Wilson, who's a phenomenal quarterback. He's going to keep you in games alone with with the, his ability to keep a play alive. I just don't know if I can trust this wide receiver core. And as much as I love Chris Carson, that offensive line I think is still needs improvement, and neither him or Rashad Penny are going to be able to do much. However. If you read my article, Zero RB Strategy, I, I drop a little bit of sweet little nuggets about Chris Carson and how he's been a lot better than people think, but that's a uh, discussion for later. So I'm actually taking Seattle out. I do think San Francisco is going to take a step forward. Uh, their offense, I think, has a chance to be extremely explosive with a great mind like Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. Jimmy G needs to stay healthy. They've got phenomenal wide receivers in Debo, Dante Pettis, Goodwin, and then add in George Kittle at the tight end spot. Running backs with Tevin Coleman, Jarek, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, all guys who kind of pretty much do the same thing, but they're all very explosive out of the backfield as well. So I, I like that team. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I do think they take a big leap forward from the 4-12. and 12. And Arizona, same. I, I don't. I still think they're going to finish last, but I'm excited to see what this offense can do. I, I know we, we differ on the opinions of Kyler Murray. I'm excited to see what Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray can do next year, uh, but I don't think it's a, a leap into the playoffs. So right now in the NFC West, again, I have the Rams winning and Seattle out. So that's my third team now out. For the South, uh, I'm sticking with the Saints. I just think they have the most complete team there. I, I believe in Drew Brees. I love that offense. You know, I don't think losing Mark Ingram hurts them that much. They've got, you know, a, a, a I guess the fair way to say it is a bad wide receiver core outside of Michael Thomas. But Drew Brees makes them look good. And so I believe in Brees. I believe in that team. I believe in Sean Payton. I think they're going to win. 
The Buccaneers, I think, are still going to be last there with Bruce Arians. I think he'll he'll be able to turn them around a little bit, but I don't expect them to take a big leap forward. The Panthers is a hard one for me because I do think all of it falls on Cam Newton's shoulder. If he's healthy and can play, I actually think the Panthers have a shot to make the playoffs. But if he's not, I, I just don't know what you can expect out of them. So for now, I'm going to say the Panthers don't make it in, and I think the Falcons do and grab that wild card spot vacated by the Seahawks. Uh, I, I love Atlanta. They've got a great offense. Defense was a little bit better toward the end of last year when they started getting a couple of their players back. They suffered a lot of injuries. If they can keep those guys healthy, I think that defense is going to be just as good as it was a couple of years ago when they made the Super Bowl. The NFC North. This is where two of my other teams are coming from and I because I do think the Bears are going to take a step back. The one thing with the Bears... Their offense, I think, is going to be just as good, hopefully better, than last year with with Mitch Trubisky getting another full year under Matt Nagy, him kind of getting a better relationship built with his wide receivers, and and David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen kind of taking over that backfield. The defense is where I think it could take a step back. They do have a bunch of phenomenal players on defense, don't get me wrong, but they also led the league in turnovers last year. We've never seen that happen two years in a row. It is hard to replicate that. It is hard to expect to continue to get points off of that like the Bears did last year. I don't think that they're able to replicate it. I don't think they take a huge step back, but I think they take a step back just enough for the Vikings to grab a hold of this division. Like you had said, love love me some Kirk Cousins. I think this is the year that he's going to have a huge year. We all expected it last year. New offense, new team, new system. Maybe we overestimated how much we thought or how quickly we thought Kirk Cousins could get acclimated into this team. I do think he does it this year. He's going to end up leading this team to the NFC North title. The Packers, I do think, are going to be very good. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I, I, we'll see what Matt LaFleur does, but he's got too many good weapons around him. He is too, He was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes came along. So Aaron Rodgers, I still think, has got it in him. He's still the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. Uh, and the Lions, I do think they're probably going to finish a Probably close to what they are now, but I do like the direction that they're heading. I just think they need a little bit more talent, especially on uh, in the wide receiver core. I love me some Kenny Galladay, but I'm just not sold on anybody else there. Uh, though Kenny G did put up a lot of points being the only guy there for a lot of last year. The NFC East. This is where, again, I know a lot of people are going to call me out and say it's because I'm a Cowboy hater, but I, I will say this. Since 2003, no team has repeated as the champions of the NFC East, except for that was that was when the Eagles did it. That was the last time that has happened. That's what what am I looking at? 16 years here, right? That that's a long, long time for that to not be a not to not be a solid stat. That's not a fluke. So I don't think Dallas wins the division this year. They were the one team that I was debating back and forth with on if I even want them to if I think they're gonna make the playoffs, and I don't. I think that the Cowboys are out, so that's my other. Those are my last two in the Seattle Seahawks, the Bears, and the Cowboys are my three out in the NFC East. I think the Eagles end up winning this division. I just think this team is so much better than the Cowboys. Give me Carson Wentz at quarterback. I know I'm going to get hate for saying this, but no, I can't do it. Give me Amari Cooper at wide receiver. He is the best wide receiver out of all of them, and it, hurt, it pained me to say that. I, I felt like I might be having a stroke when I made that comment, but Amari Cooper is the best wide receiver there. Zeke is obviously the best running back, and the Cowboys have a great defense, but so does Philly. may not be quite as good as Dallas's, but I like uh, Philly's offense more. I think Philly's going to end up taking that division. I actually think the Redskins have a chance. To, win, to, to make a playoff spot. I do love Dwayne Haskins. I like what they're doing there. Uh, and the Giants, are, they're just hot mess. I don't, I don't expect them to go anywhere. So, 
to recap, that gives me the Eagles winning the East, the Vikings winning the North, the Saints continuing in the South, and the Rams continuing in the West again, and then the Falcons taking the wild card. So my last team in really for me is debating between the Cowboys, Redskins, and Packers, and I'm going to give it to the Packers because I believe in Aaron Rodgers and I believe what they're doing, but I would not be surprised if the Redskins, not the Cowboys, take that second wild card spot. Wow. Yeah. I I love me some Dwayne Haskins, but I I think Jay Gruden is uh he's kind of uh Jason Garrettish in his coaching. So I don't disagree with that. The one thing I'll say is they finished seven and nine last year with not great play after Alex Smith went down, and their offensive line. I, I know um who uh or why can't I think of his name? Trent. Don't you besmirch the good name of Colt McCoy. <laughs> Hey, no, Colt was good, but then he broke his leg like one game in. That's the problem. I think if Colt would have stayed out there, they would have had a chance to to make the wild card. That that was my point, is that they just, unfortunately, their team kind of unraveled when they got the injuries. Uh, but who is it? Is it Trent Williams, right? The their, uh, Yeah, their left, their left tackle. tackle is so, bad. I get that he might leave, but even if he does, Washington has one of the best offensive lines in the game. They suffered so many injuries there. They were literally picking guys up off the street and playing them that week because they suffered so many injuries on the offensive line. That offensive line comes back and is good. The one thing everybody says about Dwayne Haskins is he gets a little bit when he gets a little bit flustered sometimes he's inaccurate. The offensive line can protect. Darius Geis is a baller. Darius Geis will be able to run. So will AP, even if AP's the starter for a couple games before Geis comes back fully healthy. That wide receiver core, I think, is going to be a little bit better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I just think they're they're going to be a good team. I like their defense. It's not great. It's not it's not the Cowboys' defense. I'll admit that. But it's still a decent defense that I think Washington has a chance to take a step forward. Because as much as I love Alex Smith, in my opinion, Dwayne Haskins is probably going to come in there and be better. Because he won't be afraid to take those shots down the field where it seemed like Alex Smith was. Now, I, I don't... I do think it's a little bit of a long shot for them to take that wild card spot, but I would not be surprised. Again, they finished seven and nine last year. They were one one win away from finishing five hundred, and that was again with uh, I don't even remember who their quarterbacks were there at the end after Colt Colt McCoy went down. But it was not good. They just started Josh Johnson in one game. I mean, it was ridiculous how how much the injuries affected that team last year. So if they can stay healthy, I think they're right there as a five hundred team. And then all it takes is one or two wins here or there with the ball. As we talked, I talked about last week with the Browns or the last episode. The ball just has to bounce your way one or two times in certain games, and you win that game, and the next thing you know, you're in the playoffs. So, Yeah, you know, I, I feel much more confident about my AFC picks than I do my NFC picks, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so though, just to recap really quick, I'll give, uh, I'll give mine, and then if you want to give yours again really quick. So in the AFC, uh, I have out the Texans, the, the Texans and the Ravens, and in the Steelers and the Browns. And in the NFC, I have out the Seahawks, the Bears, and the Cowboys, and in the Packers, the Falcons, and and the Vi- the Vikings. Those are my five in and five out for 2019. Who are yours? So my five in are Pittsburgh, Cleveland in the AFC, uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Green Bay in the NFC. Those are my five that are in. Out is Baltimore, Houston in the AFC, uh, Chicago, New Orleans, and Dallas in the NFC. 
All right, and again, we'll, we'll I'll keep a little record of that, and then we'll we'll see if we change our minds here once. I the bet preseason. you will. I bet you. <laughs> no, will. no, just in like a whole uh, <laughs> when the preseason gets here, if we want to change our minds on how everything goes, because you know, unfortunately, we'll see an injury or two in the preseason, which will probably affect some team here or there. So it'll give us a chance to kind of change our five in five out once it gets closer to the season. Uh, so as I talked about earlier, we also are going to do some top storylines for the preseason going into the preseason, and today we're just going to do one team, and that is going to be the New England Patriots, the Super Bowl winners of last year. The biggest one, I think, at least for fantasy, is this the year Tom Brady finally takes a a step back, a big step back. He's slowly, it seemed like the past couple years, kind of fallen down, at least for fantasy points. But if you go back and look at his stance, his stance, his stats. So last year he had a 65.8 completion percentage for 4,355 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions statistically that is exactly almost what he puts up every single year the only outlier was back in i think it was 2015 or 16 if i'm remembering off the top of my head and i believe that was the year that he had randy moss so that makes sense on why he was so much better offensively that year but he he's pretty much actually stayed consistent the past couple years and the points he's put up but for fantasy he actually took a step back last year. So your thoughts on Tom Brady for the 2019 season. Do we see him to continue to slide out of the top 12, or do you think he's going to stay right there within that range again in 2019? You know, I, I feel like he's going he's gonna to have top six games, and he's going to have 12 to 20 games. And so I, I feel like we're at the point in his career where there's going to – Consistency is going to be more of an issue. You know, we had Bob Bob Lung on a few weeks ago talking about his consistency guide, and and I think that's really going to be the issue uh, for Brady at this stage of his career. Uh, and it's easy to, I guess, not throw the ball when you have a running back like Sony Michelle that you know you can give the ball to twenty five times and he's going to get you positive yardage on just about 25 carries. You know, Michelle has, you know, he was the passing back in at Georgia for Nick, with Nick Chubb as the runner. But Michelle is, he's a, he's a powerful running back, and he's good between the tackles. And he has shown that in the past couple of years. So with Michelle to grind the ball like that, I, I feel like that takes some of the pressure off Brady. Belichick will scheme the defenses so that they don't have to play catch-up, uh, shorten the game, not run as many plays. And so I think Brady's overall stats are going to push down. Uh, I could see him in the you know QB 14 range. You know, he, he's got, he's, he could potentially be up there at QB 10, but I feel like he's – Without having statted out all of my my rankings yet, I, I feel like he's more of a a high end QB two than he is a, a QB one. Yeah, and and I'm right there with you. I, I think we've talked about it a couple times on this pod already. Uh, I do think that they are leaning heavily toward the the run game this year. I think that's why they brought in Damian Harris. Part of that being the Michelle issue, which we'll get to here in just a second. Uh, but I do think that they are going to plan on running the ball more. Um, you know, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, good wide receivers. Don't get me wrong, but I think that they're they're it would benefit them more to run the ball, which in return will allow or not allow, it'll make Tom Brady kind of fall back a little bit in fantasy points. And I agree. I, I see him more in like the 14 to 16 range. Still not bad. 
Uh, and he could obviously jump up into that top 12. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But for me, if I had to place him right now, I think 14 or 15 would be right around where I have him ranked. Uh, speaking of Sony Michelle, so he had a knee scope already this offseason. He missed pretty much all. I actually think he missed all of OTAs. What do you think? There, there's already talks about him not being ready for training camp. He, he was phenomenal when he played last year. He actually had very good stats. Was awesome in the playoffs. That's why a lot of people started buying him in, you know, the really early start best balls and all the drafts that kick up like a week after the Super Bowl ends. What are your thoughts on Sony Michelle for 2019? I I feel, and I think I've been saying that Michelle is in line for a 15 touchdown year. I think he, they're going to pound the ball with him uh, when it come. You know, two years ago, I think the general feeling was that the the Steelers weren't going to pay Lev Bell. They were going to take him and they were going to grind him into the dirt that last season that they were going to use him. I I don't know if they have the mentality to do that. Bill Belichick has the mentality to do that. He will feel no shame or no sorrow at all if he takes Sony Michelle and runs him 300 times for four yards a pop and 15 touchdowns. And if next year... Michelle is out of the league. It's like, thanks for your contribution to another Super Bowl championship. I really appreciate it, and goodbye. Uh, You know, it's hard to say. Belichick gets, he he executes the business part of of pro football, I think, better than anybody else. It's never personal with him. It feels like it because we all want to have somebody go, you know, we'll keep you around. But if you're not useful, he doesn't. So, I I think Michelle had 209 carries last year. I could see him getting 250 carries this year. You know, 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's going to get that short yardage stuff. And then Brady is. They're going to have to figure out what's going on. How are they going to? You you can't just say Nikhil Harry is going to replace Rob Gronkowski. You don't replace a six foot six. 270 pound guy down the middle with a six foot one, 215 pound guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're jumping ahead in the show notes, buddy. Don't go there just yet. We got to save that. We got to save it. Save the nugget. Save it. Okay. So, you know, Brady, we were still on Brady and I'm tangenting, I guess. No, no, you're Michelle. We're talking about Michelle. I get what you. Okay. I imagine you were going to make the point that because Nikhil Harry won't be able to replace Gronk, excuse me. That, that's why they're going to lean more on Michelle. But then that, I was like, don't don't give all of it away yet because that's the next question we're getting to. I, I'm torn on this one. I don't think he's going to get 250 carries, uh, but I do imagine he'll get close to 200 again. And the only reason I say that is I, I think I think that because of injuries, he won't get the 250. But I do think he'll be still close to 200. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if he got close to 15 touchdowns. I'm right there with you because I think he is by far the best red zone option that they have. Uh, I don't see Rex Burkhead, James White doing much there. And James White, I guess, if they if they use him a little bit in the passing game. But Damian Harris, I do think, is going to come in and steal some work from him, I think, in a way. Just so I don't think Bill Belichick is going to try and ride him until into the ground uh, this year. Maybe in a year or two, but they do have him under contract for four more seasons after this or three more seasons after this season. 
if they use the fifth-year option. So I imagine they want to try and keep him around at least for that. So I imagine they'll try and manage his workload a little bit with Damian Harris. So I'm with you on the 15 touchdowns, but I don't think he gets quite 250 carries. And we already know, even though he was the passing back in Georgia, he's not getting any receiving work. In uh, uh, Well, I mean, Cordero Patterson is gone. He had 40 carries. Rex Burkhead had 57 carries. I don't think he, he... is going to get many carries. Kenyon Barner had 20 carries. It's, you know, th- there's a, a bunch of scattered carries that I, that are, I are going to flow to somewhere and they're going to flow to the starting back. I think that he's going to end up not practicing full weeks virtually all year, mm-hmm. but on game day, he's going to be out there and he's going to be playing. So unless he tears an ACL or something, that they'll be he's going to basically spend Monday through Saturday with his leg in a tub of ice keeping the swelling down and then Sunday he's going to go out and rush for 100 yards and two touchdowns yeah i guess we'll have to see like i said i'm, I'm a little torn I, I do i agree obviously they're going to have to replace the carries that those other guys got although again and sony michelle did miss uh quite a couple games as well so maybe he does get it when he played in uh eight no 13 games so he missed three games uh, so maybe that does make it up again. That's only 40 carries missed, mixed in between those uh, those three games. So you're looking at just over 10, 10 carries a game or something like that. So, you know, And he only started eight games last year because they were starting Burkhead at the beginning yeah. of the season. And Somebody, So maybe, if he starts 16 games next year. Maybe you're right. Maybe he will get 250. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But uh, now we'll jump into the Nikhil Harry Gronk thing that you were talking about because uh, a lot of people are on this train, and I know I'm not. I, was, I wasn't sure which way you were going to go with it, uh, but I'm glad to hear that you're on my side. So a lot of people think that Nikhil Harry is going to replace Gronk in this receiving game. That's why everybody is so high on him. Uh, in my opinion, if you were to just go through my breakdown of him in college, he struggles with separation, but he is one of and was one of the best high pointers in college last year. So do you think he takes over and becomes the new Gronk in this offense? Well, if if by the new Gronk you mean second in targets behind Edelman, yeah, uh, I, I see that. Really? But, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's going to be White and it's going to be Edelman, which is last year. Then, I mean, who else is going to – so then – is Philip Dorsett going to take targets away from Nikhil Harry? Is Matt Lacoste going to take targets away from Nikhil Harry? You know, I mean, Dor- who the hell Dorsett else is doing there? something it's, as a deep threat? What's that? Yeah, he'll get his. What do you have in targets last year? So Dorsett had forty-two targets last year. So let's say he does fifty percent more. That's sixty-five targets. So that's that's only you know. 25 more targets, 23 more targets for for Dorsett. And Gronk in 13 games had 72. Josh Gordon had 68. Chris Hogan had 55. Those targets are all going somewhere. They're not all going to go to Braxton Berrios. Well, can Harry get 90 targets next year? Do you think that's a reasonable number? I mean... I guess how much? How many did Edelman get last year? Because I don't have my my stats pulled. Hundred and twenty. Uh, wait, White had a hundred and twenty-three. Edelman had a hundred and eight in 12, 12 games. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine Edelman gets a couple more. So I guess ninety is fair. I, I would think he gets a little bit less because 
My fear is with him, and I know we've already discussed it before, is that I just don't think Tom Brady is going to come out the gate throwing to him. I know everybody wants to point to what Josh Gordon did, uh, but something Aaron Arm said when we had the back row show on was Josh Gordon's a physical freak. He, he's You cannot compare him to Kill Harry and to Josh Gordon. You just can't. Josh Gordon is a rare talent in the NFL with what he can do, his body size, his speed, his quickness. So for me, I, I could see it, I guess, 90, but it, it's – it's debatable for me. I think I, I would take less. If, if you had to give me an over under ninety, I would take under. Well, where 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 do you think he's going to come in with targets? How many targets you think he's going to get? Um, I'll go eighty one, eighty one, right around eighty one. So I mean, that's five targets a game. Ninety is five point six targets a game. So I guess I feel like that's negligible a negligible difference. Ninety sounds like so much more than eighty one, but it's not. Yeah, when when you average it out over seventeen games, it's not. Or sixteen games, I'm sorry. And and I do think that yes, he's a rookie, but he is gonna. He's coming in with draft capital, which you you can hate draft capital, you can love draft cap capital. Um, some teams value it higher, you know. Honestly, Seattle probably values it the least, but I think New England, if they draft a, a skill position player early, it's because they intend to use him. Yeah, I mean they did. They did run the the heck out of Sony Michelle when they had him. That was something we both talked about because a lot of people didn't think that they drafted him that high to do it, and we both said, you know, as much as I hate the draft capital argument, that did play a little bit into it. Uh, so that right there wraps up our storylines. Uh, I do want to touch on one thing. We had discussed a little bit about some talks about some best ball. Um, I did just write an article called the Zero RB Strategy for the Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I actually kind of want – no, uh, I was going to say something. You'd like us to go read it? Is that what you're saying? Oh, of course, absolutely <laughs> go read it because I think it's a phenomenal thing. I'm just going to – uh, touch on a little bit. So like Chris Carson, we talked about earlier, he is someone that I have been targeting a lot in, in this zero RB strategy. And what I've been doing in best balls is loading up on wide receiver early and taking running backs in the fifth or sixth round or, and even later. And Chris Carson is one of the guys, cause right now his ADP is 61. Uh, and I know, uh, this, this will touch right into the heart of, of my co-host here. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, penny truthers out there who want to tell you that Chris Carson is con- consistently losing his job to penny. Uh, but that still has not yet happened. Chris Carson, while he is not the best running back in the league, I, I can give you that. He rushed the ball for 247 times for 1,151 yards with an average of 4.7. Hit pay dirt nine times last year, right? Which sounds okay. That's that's a decent running back. Not, not a running back one, probably a mid-tier running back two. What if I told you that he evaded 93 tackles last year because of how bad the offensive line was? That was top three in the NFL for all running backs. On top of that... His juke rate was 34%, which was 6th best. 83% catch rate as well. Chris Carson is much better than people are giving him credit for. I think he's going to be able to hold off Rashad Penny for another year at least. And that right there means you're getting a workhorse bell cow running back in the 5th round. Actually, the, the, the beginning of the 6th round, depending on where you're picking. So for me, he's one of the guys that I've been targeting. And, and the whole point of the article, I don't want to give up everything, but... The whole point of the article for me was building your team differently. I feel like if you're picking at the back half of the first round, 
The only guy that I would really love there is Joe Mixon. I would avoid Leonard Fournette, avoid Dalvin Cook just due to the injury histories and take wide receivers. I constantly ended up with players like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, um, who was the Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Mike Evans, Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams, Julio Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. And then I came back and added in guys like Marlon Mack, Chris Carson, Darius Geis, Kenyon Drake, running backs like that, and all of a sudden your team at the end of the draft looks a lot better than you may think it is. Uh, and it's something where a lot of other people are trying to grab like a wide receiver running back right there at the top of the draft. So yeah, they've got a great running back and a great wide receiver, but you now have two to three good wide receivers because another strategy that I've been employing and using this is trying to grab three wide receivers early. If you don't want to take a running back in in, uh, round three, grab another wide receiver. And I ended up with guys like Tyler Boyd, Kenny Galladay. Um, I can't remember who the other ones were. I, I had it right here in front of me. but I, uh, Oh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup. All those guys going in the late third, early fourth rounds. So you're ending up starting a team with, say, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyler Boyd, or Kenny Galladay, or even Brandon Cooks. And then you're coming back and getting guys like Marlon Mack, Carryon Johnson, Chris Carson, who are all going after the fourth, fifth, sixth round. That's a really good team. And then, again, you can come in and add guys like Austin Eckler, Naheem Hines, Devin Singletary, and even Jordan Howard really late in the draft. And why do I say Jordan Howard? Because Miles Sanders has yet to play a down or even practice for the Philadelphia Eagles because of his hamstring injury. And as much as I love Miles Sanders, I don't think that he'll be able to take over till later in the year, which means Jordan Howard and probably Wendell Smallwood or, um, my goodness, I can't even remember what the... Who else I'm thinking about here? But Corey Clement. Corey Clement will probably be getting a lot of work there with Jordan Howard, but Jordan Howard will be likely be the goal line back, so you can get a lot of fantasy production out of him. So it's just a whole strategy article and on a different way to attack the draft if you're picking in the back half. Because I'm going to be honest, if you're in the top four, take a running back. That's where the top four running backs are going, and there's no, I would not go zero RB if you're picking in the top four, uh, just because you have a chance to get one of those four elite guys. But to me, after those four guys, everybody else is kind of in a little bit of a tier right above the guys that I just talked about. Uh, so I'm, I've been employing this, and I've really liked the way that my teams have shaped out. They've, they've shaped out a lot better than I thought they would. Uh, and so hopefully that'll be releasing in the next couple uh couple days maybe sometime next week and i would appreciate it if you guys gave it a read and then uh let me know what you thought about it sweet we'll be looking to, for it all right so what do you have going on with dynasty nerds right now and then obviously give us uh, your twitter handle before we cut out of here well my next article coming out for dynasty nerds uh will be part of the 32 teams in 32 days series uh, i wrote up the cincinnati bengals fantasy prospects um I'm not sure when Josh has that scheduled. Uh, there's, you know, obviously 32 teams. We're about, I think, 14 teams into it or 10, 10 12, 14 teams into it. So a, a new article comes out every day. Uh, you can find me at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, you know, my whole catalog is over there. I'm on Twitter at Culture underscore Coach. Uh, feel free to reach out. Give me a follow. My rankings are on the Dynasty Nerd site. I do the standard rankings, and I know who plays standard. Well, there's still a good number of people that play standard, and we have standard dynasty rankings on the Dynasty Nerd website. So if you are in the nerd herd, you can see my rankings. You you can see the consensus of all the standard rankers uh, and, and see who we like 
dynasty wise for standard. Um, and then check check out uh, not only us but the other great podcasts over on the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. And then we will also be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo on August eighteenth at the Canton Civic Center from twelve to noon. So we're looking forward to having a great day. All fantasy football all day there. Lots of podcasting going on. Other great podcasts there. You'll be able to grab some swag. It's going to be a ton of fun. Absolutely. And you mean 12 to 6, right? Because you said 12 to noon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what, that's I, was, what I, I figured I'd let you finish the finish the promo before I correct you because it is going to be awesome and we will have hopefully a lot of swag and just a lot of fun. It's not just us. I mean, if you just go to – Go to the website and look at all the pods that, that Bob has been able to get there. And, I mean, it's going to be awesome, all the content and people that we're going to have there. A lot of the greatest, no, I shouldn't say the greatest, but a lot of the better podcasts out there um, and a lot of people that we both communicate with con- constantly on Twitter are all going to be there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a listener to any of our pods, uh, you're going to you're gonna have a lot of fun there. And, again, I'll echo what Dennis said. If if Check out FullTimeFantasy.com. They've got great list of pods there as well. You know, when you guys are done listening to us, check out one of those other pods and give us a rate and review if you guys don't mind whenever you get a minute. Again, we still have one spot open in the Listener League for that spot. So once we get up to 30, we will pick a random user out of the last, uh, I believe it was eight or nine, that have thrown their reviews on there, and you guys will get a spot in the league. Get a chance to win yourself a free jersey if you're able to beat me and Dennis. So, Dennis... Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, enjoy the NBA draft if you're going to watch it. Should be starting here any minute. And then blah blah blah. <laughs> and enjoy your weekend. And we will be back on Monday with a special guest. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only the tackle at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.